Hey guys, I just wanted to go over the rules of the TFR Holiday Giveaway before we get started with the episode. So there are two tiers for prizes for the Holiday Giveaway, and if you want to know what those prizes are, you're going to go to our Twitter page, at TFRBatPod, and if you look at the top of the page, pinned is the official TFR Holiday Giveaway post, and that will have the list of all the prizes. Now, how you enter for the Tier 1 prizes is you go to that official post I just mentioned, you're going to like, retweet, and reply to that post with a picture or a gif of your favorite version of Batman. And for the two grand prizes, what you're going to do is leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and then you're going to screenshot that, that review, and you're going to post it on Twitter and tag at TFRBatPod. Now, if you're um, a listener that doesn't have Twitter and you want to enter for the grand prizes, you can just leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast, and you can send that screenshot to our email at tfrbatpod at gmail.com. Now, guys, this, uh, this giveaway is unfortunately only valid for listeners in the continental United States, and the hosts are obviously not eligible to win the prizes. Uh, the winners will be announced on our Christmas episode and then posted on Twitter soon after, and you will have 10 days to claim your prize via email or DM. So guys, I hope you enjoy this episode, and I really hope a lot of you enter, because really, I'm really looking for some competition in our TFR holiday giveaway. Happy Halloween, citizens of Gotham, and welcome to The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast focusing on all things the Dark Knight and his world. If you'd like to connect with the show, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TFRBatPod. And if you have thoughts, questions, comments, or maybe suggestions for future episodes of the show, you can reach us by email at TFRBatPod at gmail.com. 
My name is Eric Carter, and I am your host, and it is the Halloween special of The Fire Rises, and we are here today to cover the classic, the Elseworlds tale, Batman and Dracula, Red Rain. Now, I'm not going to do that by myself because, well, frankly, that would be boring. So joining me, you know him, you love him, it's our regular co-host, the big hockey fan from New Jersey, the enforcer of The Fire Rises, Joe Fornerato. Joe, how are you? You probably didn't know. You probably didn't think I knew what an enforcer was, did you? Yeah, I guess I got you to watch about two minutes of hockey last time we recorded, and now you're a, you're an expert on it. So See, uh, <laughs> I, I know I know hockey. You know the enforcer <laughs> angle of hockey. That's that's what everyone loves the best is the is the the fighting style of it. But yeah, thank you for having me on. Happy Halloween. Um, Happy Halloween to you, sir. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking about this stuff, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking to our guest about this stuff also. Oh, absolutely. You buried the lead a little bit, but we do have a special guest for our special spooky season episode. You know him from, oh, he's actually the host of the Batman Book Club, Mr. Ryan Lauer. Ryan, welcome back to the show. Gentlemen, it is a pleasure and an honor to uh, return to The Fire Rises uh, it's been a while, uh, but you had me on before to talk some Long Halloween. <clears throat> so this is a, a revisiting the Long Halloween, right? Uh, it, it is it is Halloween adjacent, but not the Long oh. Halloween. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I mean, it, nice it, catching it's, up with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's vampires though, so I know you're all into that too. Okay, okay, all right, you got me back in. Hey, thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. it's great to have you back so um i I reached out to both of these guys a while ago and i said i wanted to do um batman and dracula red rain for our halloween episode and uh i had to chase down ryan yeah he's very busy with the batman book club but we finally we finally got him nailed down so we are here to talk all things fangs and blood and and things that go bump in the night so before we get into the book, I just want to give get some uh, some overall thoughts because uh, Joe, you just read this recently. Had you read this before, or is this the first time? I think I read this about five years ago. I really didn't remember much of it from when I read it last, but uh, yeah, I read it again yesterday and today over the course of the last two days, and yeah, I really did enjoy it. It was not what I expected, even though I did read it. Like I said, I just. I just really didn't remember much about it. And this time, I think I said to you before we started recording, I don't think I realized it was an Elseworlds tour, Elseworlds story last time I read it, which, as you can imagine, that would probably throw you for a loop if you don't realize it's an Elseworlds story while you're reading it. So I uh, I really did like it as like a, a one shot story. I know there are, you know, sequels to it, but this story, as it were. I really did enjoy it, especially for a Halloween season type of deal. And I I do actually have some questions for you guys because I think you guys are a little bit more acclimated to the the vampire Dracula lore than I am. So mm. I'm really excited to start diving into it. Yes, I for one am a huge Dracula fan. I love the I love the classic Bella Lugosi film. Uh, I love the book. And uh, even got, I think Ryan Lauer has it as well, the uh, 
legendary comics version that came out last year, the hardcover of, of Dracula with Bella Lugosi. So uh, I'm willing to answer some, some questions. What about you, Ryan? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm all aboard the, the vamp train, choo -choo, you know, cause along with that, with Eric, I also, I love the uh, Francis Ford Coppola one from the nineties uh, mm -hmm. as well of, of Dracula. So uh, yeah, bring it on. Um, happy to help with anything that you need here joe uh but i can't guarantee i'll give you all the correct answers <laughs> <laughs> so i uh, i know that joe read this digitally on dc universe infinite uh ryan and i have the the, the hard covers that were initially released in 1991 uh ryan when was the first time that you read this book i first read this book in the early 2010s I actually, um, I, I read this last year for my show, and mm -hmm. I was, I remember in revisiting that, I was like, man, I, I don't remember when I read this. I, de it definitely was maybe like a decade ago, sometime in the last decade for the first time, because none of it seemed familiar when I read it last year. Uh, but I do know that I read it once before at least. Uh, so, I mean, it's a story I'm not totally familiar with, so I do remember some of the events while reading it uh, this time around, but it's still because, you know, it's so unfamiliar and it's been a year since I've read it that it was still a pretty fresh read, which is really cool. Nice. Um, I, I honestly can't remember uh, the first time I read it. I know it was. It was when. The the Kindles. The, the Amazon Kindles first got the the color versions uh, mm -hmm. whenever whenever that was I remember I bought a, a lot of of older Batman books digitally uh, because I, I was just you know it was it was a new device a new tool and a new way to read so I was just lapping stuff up and I found um, all three of the Batman Dracula trilogy and and got them there and then like Ryan last year I I hunted down all three of the originals. Uh, hardcover releases on eBay. So I, I can't remember which spurned which, but I remember you and I, Ryan, talking about the the hardcovers and hunting them down on eBay last year. So I don't I don't know if you got them first or if I got them first, but I know that we were talking about them quite a bit. I think you got them first for sure. But it was, you know, I mean, it was around the same time because I, I think, you know, we were, I think we were going back and forth like little, uh, little, gossipers in high school as i'd said over that dracula book and then we're like hey uh -huh. batman red rain uh how about that book and they're like hey i have them and i'm like oh my gosh i think i just bought one and i <laughs> i haven't been able to track down the the sequels hardcover versions or at least uh not at a price that i'm willing to pay yeah well actually that was what i was going to ask you because they're they're pretty pricey right now i don't know if uh, Halloween time is probably not the time to look for them because everyone's doing the same thing. But mm -hmm. I hope you guys got better prices than they're they're at right now. <laughs> I think mine was around like maybe fifteen, and then shipping oh, yeah, they're, was somewhere they're around around five. Uh, and my version's not perfect. It's pretty good, but it's it's definitely not perfect. But I was fine with what I paid for it. Yeah. Um. So I can't remember. I know two of them I bought from from in the states, and they were, I mean, they weren't bad. They were around that fifteen dollar range. The most I paid was I pay I bought one from the UK because I couldn't find it anywhere else last year. 
Um, and that one, uh, oof, yeah, I paid a little bit more for that one. We're not going to talk about how much, especially <laughs> if my wife's in, in the company. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, they're in great condition actually. So I'm super happy with that. And I, I hope you guys can track them down at a reasonable price because they're cool to have. Uh, but let's get into this book. Well, t- I, I'm hoping in the following years we can talk about the sequels for our Halloween specials. But so far as this year, uh, Batman and Dracula Red Rain was released in 1991. Uh, it's written by Doug Minch and penciled by Kelly Jones. Uh, it's very Kelly Jones. If you just open this book uh, mm-hmm. and flip to any random page, you you absolutely straight away know that it's a Kelly Jones book. <laughs> Is there a more recognizable artist than Kelly Jones on Batman, you know? <laughs> And is there a more relevant topic for him to be an artist? Right. Like this is perfect for Kelly Jones. Yeah. So uh, to be 100% transparent, Kelly Jones is, is not my favorite artist when it comes to comics or even Batman, but there's something about Batman twisted into a, into a vampire world that Kelly Jones's art is just perfect for. I like, it's Mm -hmm. almost like, I think we talked about in the long Halloween episode, uh, Tim sales artwork isn't for everybody, but it so perfectly fits that story that it, yeah. it, it just goes so well with it. And it's the same case here. Kelly Jones just, I, I think he elevates, um, the storytelling here with, with his artwork. It's, it's fantastic. It's very, uh, Gothic, I would say. Yeah. Gothic is definitely his way. And when you're dealing with Dracula that, you know, that's, that's the atmosphere. Like that's the perfect atmosphere atmosphere for Dracula. So, I mean, why not get in a, a gothic guy like Kelly Jones? And hey, there we go. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, so yeah, it was released in 1991. It was ex- extremely successful. Uh, so successful that I mean, it was supposed to be a one shot, and uh, it it got so much traction that it became a trilogy and. Minch and Jones have been on a record of saying that they didn't intend for this to be a trilogy. Uh, it just that's that's the way it went with success. We all know what happens when when a title does well, whether it be comics or movies or or anything like that. When when the dollar signs start flashing, you know the company wants more. So oh, yeah. we got more. And I mean, just overall, we're not going to dive into the others. But Joe, you you said you haven't read the other two, right? No, I haven't. Okay, but you have Ryan. I know, I, I'm pretty sure you have. Yeah, I read those the sequels last year for the first time, and I actually really, as as a full trilogy, I'll just say like really briefly, I actually think it's a pretty strong trilogy. Now those two, I actually don't remember what happens uh, in those ones, so that's going to be a fun revisit. But I know that I did enjoy them, and overall, I thought this is a good this is a good trilogy. Yeah, for a um, for a contained world. I, I think this is I th- it's a really good trilogy. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't <laughs> I don't know that the elements in these stories would work in a in a continuity Batman tale, but uh, yeah, I really really enjoy the whole trilogy. So I'm looking forward to not just diving into this book, but in the following years diving into the other two. And I'm excited that Joe gets to read them for the first time, maybe next year and the year after. Um, but so far as the story itself, it is a story of Dracula coming to Gotham city and it's a tale in which, uh, Batman is, he's having all these kind of weird dreams 
and it turns out that it's not necessarily a dream. And there's these 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 crimes happening throughout Gotham where people are being found dead in the streets with their throats ripped open. Um, and, and we come to find out that Dracula is, of course, behind all of this, but he's kind of hiding his tracks. Uh, and that part of the story, and, and I want to get you guys' opinion on this, like uh, Dracula hiding what he's doing by slashing the throats open after he's after he's fed i thought that was really intriguing uh joe you reading this for the for the first time in a while what did you what did you think of that yeah it's a really cool way to to set up like you know the the mystery angle from the perspective of you know gordon and uh i think it's the mayor is the other you know the main yeah the main character mm-hmm. that, that gordon's always talking to it yeah it's a really cool it's it's something different to bring to the story as opposed to just a typical, you know, vampire, uh, you know, like a vampire film we're used to seeing where they just they automatically see the bite marks and they go, oh, a vampire like this is this is adding to the mystery angle of it, which was nice. Mm-hmm. What about you, Ryan? What did you think of the, the hiding his tracks? I thought it was great. Like Joe just said, it was kind of it was a nice uh, addition of um to this rather than just you know vampire bite ah it's dracula um but the like the slashing i mean it's an extra level of brutality it's an extra like definitely making it more mature of a batman story of a comic book story in general uh yeah i thought like this is a this is a mature comic book and i'm i'm there for it so uh it's it's a nice addition or approach for the story Mm -hmm. yeah i i agree completely i think it's uh I think it's a clever way of storytelling to to not stay cliche in the vampire genre. And I mean, mm-hmm. this was even this was even in, in, in 1991. They were thinking outside the box, which I think I think is pretty commendable. Uh, one thing that that is kind of vague, and I think this is maybe a little bit of a critique. Um, I would have liked to have known, and and maybe they explained it, and I just don't remember. Uh, I would have liked to have known kind of what led Dracula to Gotham because in the beginning of the story, you just kind of Dracula's in the streets of Gotham, but I don't know un- unless I'm forgetting and you guys correct me if I am forgetting, I don't know that they really go deep into detail as to why he came to Gotham. Not that I recall. No, in this book, I mean, maybe it did in the sequels and I'm forgetting, but um, yeah, in this book, I don't, I don't think that they did. And, uh, that that doesn't necessarily. Um, I'm I I kind of don't care, to be honest. Though. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm okay. I like how I do like how the, and and I totally get it. That's not definitely not being a pushback or anything like that on your thoughts. I think I didn't even think about it until you just said it, and I'm think and it just works for me on sometimes just jumping right in to a story, mm-hmm. and I think in this case that just really worked for me. Uh, but maybe there's, you know, the untold chapter of why he's coming would have been really intriguing, too. I don't know. It's a well, pretty streamlined I, story. Well, it is. Yeah. Yes. And I, I think maybe it's just the the kind of the the Bram Stoker fan in me. That's just sure. like, OK, well, I know I, I've seen how he travels from place to place before. So I guess it would have just been a little intriguing to see, you know, what led him to 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 Gotham specifically, because it's a city that's tailor made for Dracula. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, it, how did he find that out? I guess, I guess I'm, I'm really intrigued by the backstory of everything. So 
that that's yeah, probably but... that's probably just me reaching a little bit. Doug Mensch, give Eric the origin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Damn it, Doug. Um, but there's also I, I mentioned this 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 uh, detail of we see when we first meet Bruce Wayne in the story, we meet him in bed and he's having these hey, strange <laughs> and we, we we're having these strange like uh, dream like sequences where there's mist and it's just kind of it's, it's definitely a spooky atmosphere. But there's a there's a strange woman that seems to be visiting uh, Bruce while he sleeps and uh, we come to find out in the story that she is also a vampire. She was a vampire that long ago was turned by Dracula and she is, is part of this, this, uh, opposing contingent of vampires that, that their whole mission is to go after Dracula and to end his, his reign of terror. Uh, so any thoughts on, on this aspect of the story? I think her name is Tanya. Uh, Ryan, what about, what about you? What do you think of this, of this Tanya? Uh, I thought Tanya was kind of badass. Uh, I liked that there's... Um, I have not come across where there is in, in like a Dracula story a like victim or victims who flat out then just refuse to be like him and then find mm-hmm. a way around it. Uh, I'll probably, when we're done recording, stumble across something. To, but, uh, yeah, I, I think... That like that again. That's something, as you'd said already. The story, you know, is clever in its approach, and I think, I think that part is kind of clever too. And it feels organic for the story. It doesn't feel like we're forced, like oh, these characters just popped right in, or like hey, Batman, do it like us. No, it just kind of it just kind of works. We're teased of who she is, and we get the reveal. And it's not like the reveal is at the end of the story. The the reveal of her kind of comes, you know, around the halfway point. I think. Uh, and then mm-hmm. she just gives Batman a little bit of hope and which I think works for us as the readers. Cause then we think, Oh, well, if Batman succumbs to this, well then, uh, there's hope for him too, to not totally turn to the dark side. And so I, I really like the inclusion of this group. Mm-hmm. What about you, Joe? I completely agree. So uh, that was going to be actually one of my first questions to you guys was, is this a character that is based off of something from Dracula lore or is it like a, like the, I didn't know if the name came from some Batman issue that I didn't know about, or it seems like this is completely original. To my knowledge, uh, Tanya and this whole group is a creation by, by Doug Mintz for this story. Same. Yeah. Which, which is cool. I just didn't, I, I, Usually when you get Elseworld stories, they're trying so hard to shoehorn in different versions of characters from that world. So like normally I would have expected her name to just be Selena and it'd be a different interpretation of Selena or something to that effect, if you know what I mean. Like yeah. you could have yeah. named her Jezebel or you could have named her Silver. Oh, that would have actually made a lot of sense. <laughs> but like <laughs> that funny. Um Doug Mensch, you failed. <laughs> so like that that kind of was like okay they're naming her uh it was tanya yeah mm-hmm. so i th- i just assumed that it was from either something in the dracula lore or something i was missing in some random batman love interest but no it's cool that they did they didn't go out of their way to force in some character that didn't need to be put in here it was strictly a batman story and they just they created their own character, which is really cool. 
Yeah, it, it is. Um, and to that point, during her visits, she's actually it's not just a, an arbitrary visit to to warn um, Bruce Wayne about Dracula. I mean, that's that's part of it. But she's also uh, and this is I'm not exactly sure what she was doing. I, this is a, actually a question I was going to ask you guys and see if if, if you had any um, insight onto to what exactly she was doing to Bruce or while he was unconscious, but it, she's, she's giving him abilities to combat Dracula. I'm just not a hundred percent sure uh, of how she was accomplishing that. What was she like draining her blood into his mouth or, or, or how did you guys take that? Ryan? She's licking his neck, man. You know how it is. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's I mean, how you fight off an attacker. Too, Eric. I mean, <laughs> I didn't take any. I don't think this had anything to do with Dracula or vampires. I think Bruce was just dreaming and having a good dream. I think Doug was writing a romance novel, and is at this point that Kelly Jones interfered and said, "Dude, this has got to be about Batman and Dracula." And he was like, "Oh, okay." Uh, here we go. <laughs> Dude, we're supposed to be doing a Dracula story. You, <laughs> we've gone the I wrong just, direction. <laughs> uh, I, I I don't exactly know. He just wakes up and his neck, he feels like he grabs his neck and then we move along. And then when he sees her again, she's got a bloody mouth and she again is just like hovering over him. So I don't exactly know how. Yeah, because I mean, it, it kind of implies that she bit him, but... We never see like wounds on his neck or anything like that. So that I guess that was the confusion for me. Was it, did she or didn't she? Is this, and it's does that make sense? It's not vague because it's it it's a spiritual meeting. She's not physically there, correct? Mm-hmm. So well, yeah, I don't know because he says later in the book it must not have been a dream. She must have been there. But I think that's him having like the same conversation we're having in his own head. That's how I took it. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that was kind of his inner monologue. But, I mean, in in my mind, I do think she was physically in the room because we see her, like, enter as mist, and we know we find out through the course of uh, this book and the others that that is an ability that these vampires have is that, you know, they move – they can move as mist. So, yeah, I took it as she was absolutely in the room with him. I just – and and we know what happens with the bite later in the book. So that's mm-hmm. that's what leads me to think maybe she actually didn't bite him, but it, that that part is is very vague and it's it's a little confusing. Sure. Uh but anyway, moving on in the story, we we do have we do have the um the story of all of these victims being found in the streets and Gordon and the police force are baffled, they're trying to figure it out. And uh, the mayor, I think, is a very is a very interesting tale uh, here because the mayor is trying to get Gordon to 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 handle this as quietly as possible and not bring it to the forefront. And I found it really in- intriguing that um, there's this line in here because the mayor is a black man in this story, and there's the line of "Do you realize what could happen to me, Gotham's first black mayor, if people start believing I can't even protect the disinformation? franchised of my own city and Mm -hmm. for a book wrote in 1991 i thought that was if you look at 
everything that's happening in the world today. I thought that was very forward thinking of a writer in 1991 to write a, a story plot and, and subplot, I guess, about race and how things are perceived of, of people of, of color in a position. So I th- rereading, and I didn't think about that honestly until I reread it for for this episode. So what did you guys think of that? That kind of the race, racial tension subplot in the story. Well, I Joe. thought that that was. Oh, oh go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I go. No, okay, go ahead. Ryan. I, it, okay, I'll go. Um, I jumped the gun. <laughs> um, I I thought that it was great. I wish that there would have been something done with it. I feel like the idea was expressed. Mm-hmm. And then it was wrapped up, and then you're like, "Oh, okay. Well, what happened between the the beginning and end?" And it's like nothing. The I like the because it's such a it is a strong idea that if there could have been, I'm not saying we needed to be beaten over the head, you know, like seven scenes of Gordon and the mayor or anything like that. But it was like, wow, that is an interesting idea. What are they going to do with this? And then I think there was one more quick meeting with Gordon and the mayor. And then at the end of the story, the mayor resigned and it, it and it was like, Oh dang, they, like, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say that they could, you know, rewrite the story or, you know, this is what they should have done. It was just something I, I felt a little unfulfilled. Cause I thought, Ooh, they could have taken us down that path and had that been an expanded subplot, you know? Yeah, I agree. It, I, I thought it was forward thinking just to bring it up, but I do agree with you that I think it, it was just kind of a subplot that was that was left and, and not further explored. And I think it would have been really cool if it had been. Um, I think the only reason it really resonated with me and came to mind uh, this time reading it is because – and spoilers if you haven't read Batman 89. Skip ahead a few seconds. Um, I think – a very similar approach is, is being done in, in the Batman 89 comic right now. So it, it, I think that's just why it struck a chord a little bit, but what about you, Joe? What did you think of this little subplot? Well, I agree with you that it's forward thinking, but I also think it was kind of done just to give a reason for why the mayor is acting the way he's acting instead of us reading this. If it was just a regular, you know, boring idea of a mayor just saying, I don't want to go to the, I don't want, how do I put this? If, you know, if they don't have that idea of him being nervous about being the first black man and how he's going to be perceived, we just look at this mayor as an idiot who's not doing the right thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it almost feels like a writing device. And I'm not even saying that to be negative, but I think it removes the trope of, like Ryan said, an incompetent mayor, where he's actually giving a good, valid reason as to why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah, that and that's that seems like again, it, it kind of comes off negative the way I'm putting it, where it seems like a writing device. But I think that is kind of what he's doing. Where also, like you said, Eric, it is it is forward thinking with the you know, the, the implications of, you know, the race issues and all that. And, you know, unfortunately it kind of goes to show that, you know, we still have that kind of thing being discussed in comics now because we haven't really come that far <laughs> as society since 1991, which is kind of sad where we still look at that and think it's forward thinking now. And it's been going on for almost 30 years. Well, I know what I just said about it, but I also, 
it, it keeps this it keeps this book where it needs like there's no fat to be trimmed you know mm-hmm. in in our minds if we want to sit there and create an idea of what's going down behind the scenes that we're not seeing we can uh but like joe i think that's a good point that you said of it takes away the fact that we act like there gotham has a competent mayor he understands what's going on he's trying to do what's good for him but also for the city and prevent panic and such so that's there as the good covering your tracks so uh i i would have well i say like oh it would have been cool i'm also fine that we didn't get it if that makes sense yeah and it also gives a good relationship between the mayor and gordon which is kind of rare in batman comics also Mm. yeah yeah yeah, I I actually agree. I hadn't even thought of that, Joe. Um, but you you're right. They very well could have just made it. Uh, you know, just new mayor in his first term. You know, newly elected doesn't want to look bad. But that that is kind of contrived, and it's been done. So yeah, adding the uh, first black mayor, first you know person of color in power uh, in in Gotham. Yeah, that that's a that's a pretty good. Uh, way to approach it. I hadn't thought of that, but good on you, Joe. <laughs> good on you, Joe. You earned your seat on the the fire rises. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna just mute myself now and sit back. And, and that yeah, don't don't screw it up, Joe. I'll do that for me. Chime in when I get booted. Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, so moving forward with the story here, um, uh, we. We find a lot, a lot of little details, as I've said, of the victims, and we finally start to see that there's these, uh, these rogue vampires that Dracula has created in Gotham that are that are starting to attack people as well. Um, and then we get into this group of vampires actually hunting Dracula, trying to find him in his lair, and bringing Batman kind of into the group uh, to find Dracula and to bring him down. Um, the the one big scene that 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 caught my attention and just made Dracula so powerful and cool is there's a scene in the sewers uh, in the comic where the where the group has has kind of cornered Dracula and he flies in and his 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 bat form is really awesome. I just want to bring that up. He looks great. He looks like a almost zombified man bat kind of, um, but. There's it's there's a scene in the sewer where they kind of it looks like they've got Dracula trapped and he just uses his power of persuasion over the vampires uh, to to almost get them to kill themselves. So as as a device to just show how powerful Dracula was, uh, Joe, what did you think of, of this segment? That was such a really cool uh, segment. You're absolutely right. And that's where my. um you know, my ignorance of vampire powers and stuff kind of, uh, you know, betrayed me a little bit because I was like, wait, what's happening? Oh, that's right. I forgot vampires have that power of persuasion. And sadly, <laughs> I know that from what we do in the shadows, not from any awesome, you know, uh, that's okay. classic okay. vampire stories, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but from from the great uh, TV show. So, but yeah, that was a, that was a really cool, uh, really cool scene. And um, <laughs> yeah, it was just. Again, my my knowledge of vampires is definitely uh, not all there, but it was, yeah, it was it was definitely a creepy scene. Mm-hmm. Do you, would you understand if I said all it takes is a toothpick? 
Do you get that reference? No, what is that? Dang it! Are you wait, are you saying what in the shadow? What we do in the shadows? The TV series? Yeah. Um. Oh my gosh, I forget what his name is when he goes undercover and he runs the bar, and he has a toothpick. That's the episode that Mark Hamill's in. Oh yeah, I have. I've only watched each episode one time. So it. So that was season two, I believe. Yeah, that was season two. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he he takes the toothpick out of his mouth, and all of a sudden his his cover is blown. It's like all it takes is a toothpick. <laughs> this Ridiculous. Segment, I'm sorry, we're off track. <laughs> this segment of the Fire what? Rise is presented by What We Do in the Shadows. <laughs> now on FX on Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm completely ignorant to the show, so it's one I really need to catch up Hilarious. on. I hear this is your season of, vam- of vampires, Eric. I know, uh, I know. I, need I to- highly recommend it. <laughs> the movie's good too. So check out the movie. Oh, yeah, too. The movie's, the movie's I have good. I have the seen the movie. Great. Okay. So there you go. Anyways. Now, what about you, Ryan? This uh, the power of persuasion that Dracula has over the creatures of the night. What did you think of this? Well, unlike Joe, I knew <laughs> that Dracula had these powers. Uh, <laughs> I think that that was that was done in a really cool way, and it showed, of course, that Tanya and the group they can like they're they're fighters and they're able to resist resist this. But then, of course, Batman comes in because he has their backs um, and kind of disrupts that. I almost think I want to say like just. Uh, two pages before Dracula comes flying in, and mm-hmm. as you were saying, of like the the vampires feeding on others, and it's on the top of the page that there are three vampires uh, attacking one woman. That that is such a freaking disturbing image to me, <laughs> especially <clears throat> the one that's getting like the inside part of her thigh. Like some that makes me cringe looking at it. I don't know why it's like it seems like that's such a I think it's it's disturbing because that's such uh, uh what's the term that I want to say like it's such an abusive it's it's abusive to the victim you know mm-hmm. um crossing boundaries uh not to mention like that part if you feel like, like your thigh is pretty like thin to where it's easily um it could get easily damaged. I I don't know. There's just something about that's very striking because it's disturbing. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, that's where your femoral artery is and, and all that good stuff. So, yeah, it it kind of reminds me. It is a very visceral page or uh, panel. It's yeah. and I think the 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 thought that jumped to my mind is because I just watched it recently again um is dr sleep because those are very much like a different kind of vampire in that in that movie and the way they just hoard um on their victims it kind of reminded me of that so yeah it is it is a very very creepy um image and there's a lot of creepy images in this section i mean that that very next page where you've got batman just fighting off this horde of vampires Uh, and it's yeah lots of lots of great kelly jones imagery here like this, um, this, I mean, they look like zombies, like the zombie vampires, you know, you see like all of that stuff is just drawn so well. And I think as you, let's see, one, two, three pages later, there's just like a close up of Tanya. And I think that even is illustrated. That's almost like the most normal looking Kelly Jones uh, panel, you know, because mm-hmm. that that just looks very like 80s, early 90s. Uh, close up of her and that seems very much like in detail and i think that's done really well so it's just man kelly jones is just off the rails in this entire scene and i love it 
Yeah, absolutely. And and while we're talking about the Kelly Jones aesthetic here, um, I brought up the 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 monstrous bat form of, of Dracula at, that Kelly mm-hmm. Jones does so well here. So so what do you, what do you guys think of of just how he looks in his uh, transformed monster bat form? Ryan, you can go first. I think it's cool because it's different. The when you look at his spine, mm-hmm. that to me, that feels m- the most Kelly Jones, uh, because I can't think of what character I'm thinking of, but it seems like we've seen that, and we see that in his later in his uh, him and Doug Mensch's Batman run with some characters of, and I can't remember what it, specifically, but that just feels very like, oh yeah, the bones just popping out and stuff like that, but. I think that part is like all right, but the rest of him I, I think looks really, really good. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jeff? Yeah, the spine is definitely the most jarring aspect of it. And the hands are really creepy with like the webbed hands or whatever. And oh, yeah. then, yeah, just all around it's a, it, you know what? It's a perfect scary image for this because in a Batman book where you see bat imagery all the time you have to come up with something different that's really gonna impact your readers and i think that's what they did really well well not only uh imagery for a bat book but there's so much history of imagery of dracula transforming and i think even amongst all of that this is pretty unique i I think Mm -hmm. it's a it's it's a great looking take on um the monstrous form of dracula so Speaking of monstrous forms, uh, shortly after this, uh, after this whole encounter with Dracula and the and the and the vampires and Batman, uh, we start to see a little bit of the effects of um, Tanya's nighttime visits with Bruce, uh, because we see you know the the standard scene of, that we all know and love of Alfred kind of bandaging and patching up Bruce. And Alfred notices something going on with Bruce's back and it leads, (laughs) and it leads to, you know, later in the book, we've, we find out that these nighttime visits are, are changing Batman's physiology. Uh, so he, (laughs) yeah. So he's, he started to, um, he started to develop wings. So he, He's not like full blown vampire, but he's been kind of in, 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 I can't find the word. He's been, he's been kind of, um, imbued with some vampire traits. So much like Dracula in his, in his monstrous flight form, we know that soon Batman has the power of flight now. Um, and he has these vampire-like bat wings. So before we even get to the end of the book, what did you guys think of um, the these powers that Batman is slowly starting to gain? Because it's not just he's starting to get more strength. He's He's got this power of flight. So what did you think of this slow transformation of Batman, Joe? It, it kind of reminded me of like seeing Peter Parker get his powers for the first time where like, he didn't know what was going on with them. And, and, you know, he's like, you know, what does he flip over a table at one point or something? I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was fun to see, you know, Batman have that experience in a book. And it was, it was just something like I said, it was just different to see him kind of like, all right, what is going on with me? Why is this happening? And, you know, he obviously suspected why it was happening, but, 
Um, one thing I wanted to ask you guys, though, uh, not to go back a little bit, the whole blood with the cross on the wall, is that a thing? Or is that something? Because I was like, I thought that was so cool. Where he like basically has Dracula in his stalemate because Dracula is drawn to the blood but repelled by the cross. Is that a Dracula's thing? repelled by the cross for sure? So, he, no, like is that a thing with drawing it in blood to mess with him? Is that like a common vampire trope? Because I thought that was really interesting. Well, I think I think here is just Batman just using what he can, in which it's his blood and creating mm-hmm. a cross and and like. Just however he can create a cross, and that's the way of where it's doing it. And that is because Bruce Wayne is oh so intelligent. He's like, yeah. you need blood, so here's blood, but look, it, it's in the cross, which is going to get you stuck. Uh, yeah, it's it's almost like a really taunting cool. on his on his end, which, I, yeah, exactly. is really, really cool. Yeah, he, he like created a stamina. Now, my question would be, why is Batman not repelled by the cross? Because he's not full-blown yet? Yeah, he that and that's why I was asking the question about did or did Tanya not uh, bite him? It's because he uh, got his neck licked, not impaled. It's a big <laughs> difference. Big Cause, difference. Because that was another question where, like, the silver he's using silver later on in the book to fight Dracula, but is the silver not affecting him? Yeah, I don't think. I think it's kind of like a a blade situation where he's okay. he's not completely vampire. See, um, that's where that's where Doug Mensch he's he's brilliant. He created his own rules so that Batman can kind of be a unique vampire. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's and that's nothing new. I mean, people have uh, tinkered and toyed with the vampire mythology, yeah, for, at, at, since it started. So I, I think it's just a very clever device that Mensch created for this story, uh, along with drawing the blood uh, into a cross on the wall. Because unless I and I could be mistaken. I had never seen it before where you could repel Dracula by drawing a cross. So I think that's another little clever device that Mitch came up with. Um, but I could be wrong. But I can't uh, think of an example, but it didn't seem new to me. But maybe it's my brain just trying to remember anybody that, you know, does the the thing creating a cross with their fingers. And so mm-hmm. I just kind of maybe it's me just making myself believe I've seen the drawing with like before. Uh, I'm not sure. But I, I will say, since you brought it up, Joe, I really like that the cross is effective because one of the things in, in any vampire story that kind of makes me roll my eyes, I, I really like the, the the mythology of the Dracula story. And I really like the, the you know, the common uh, vampire weaknesses. So whenever you have a story um, where, you know, somebody has a cross or shows a cross and a vampire is just like, oh, that's that's not real. That doesn't work and just grabs a cross and throws it away or something like that. <laughs> I'm not yeah. a fan of that. <laughs> no, because that's it's almost like, hey, we're trying to be edgy and this doesn't work. It's like, no, if you're a vampire, the cross works, period. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. lore. That's the rule. OK, yeah, stick to the rules. Yeah. But um, so far as the the wings and the and the slow transformation we get of of Batman, Ryan, what did you think of it? Uh, that was great. I think it was very well paced. It's almost like the ideas planted at the beginning of the story, and it's constantly developing. You know, we're building towards something, and I love that Alfred's like my back, and he's like, and you know, Bruce is just basically like, yeah, well, stitch me up. I got I got things to do. And we don't get that. Like the 
the seeds planted there too of hmm, there's something with Bruce's back, but we gotta wait till we see what it is. So it's he we're looking to see if you know if what we think is gonna happen is actually going to happen. And mm-hmm. Mensch just really holds on to that reveal until it's until it's necessary for the story. And then mm-hmm. it becomes pretty badass. Yeah, for sure. I I really I really like the slow transformation. I like the 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 gathering of, of Batman's new powers. Um, it, it's really cool to see. And the 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 cape that Mitch draw, or excuse me, not Mitch, but Kelly Jones draws already kind of looks like wings. So the yeah. images the images of the actual wings with the cape are just really cool. And a cape drawing competition between Kelly Jones and Todd McFarlane would be insane. <laughs> yeah. This is, and it's kind of funny that Kelly Jones gets to go off the rails with some of his illustrations here, but he kind of keeps his his cape in check. Because I think if you would if as you continue to see further on in his career and in his work, he just goes nuts with how big that freaking bat cape is sometimes. To so where it is almost a distraction when it when yeah. I see it. It's like, man, that it's wrapping around four buildings right now. Come on, Kelly. Reel it in just a little bit, okay? It's it's a little distracting. It, I think of the uh, the Nightfall cover. Yeah, he just went he just went nuts with that cape. He did, but, but those terrified the shit out of me as a kid when I first saw him. So I, I like that's what I go to right away for some reason. They're like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Well, what were you gonna say, Jeff? Oh well, I'm looking at an image right now. It's on page 80 on the digital version, but the image of, you know, Batman with the wings, but the it looks like the cape is like kind of silhouetting with the wings up to a point. And the cape is doing all sorts of crazy stuff in this image. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that is that is a perfect, you know, just what? crazy <laughs> bat image. Yeah, I don't know what is going on in that picture, but it works. It works because it's Kelly Jones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, there's there is this this big plot of the all of the vampires working with Batman to to try to put this into Dracula and it, it it comes to fruition in which they gather this plan to to lure the vampires to the Batcave uh, through through all these sewer tunnels and stuff like that and they actually destroy the Batcave with the and the and the and Wayne Manor um, with the vampires inside it which i think the, the the destruction of wayne manor has just has become kind of a trope at this point but in 1991 this may have been a very fresh idea i'm not sure but to use this this destruction of wayne manor as a trope to kill all of these vampires i think is 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 a really cool touch even though i hate seeing wayne yes. manor <laughs> just crumble it's into sad but it is it cool is because it's, it's a ballsy move and that's the to me, that's the power of Elseworlds. You know, it's a contained mm-hmm. story to where there's no rules. You can do whatever you want. Right, for sure. Um, Joe, what's your thoughts on this? Well, and also, I love the fact that it was like a plan that he had obviously mentioned to Alfred before. Mm-hmm. Because Alfred like knew what he was talking about when he said it. Like, I, I don't know. I just love that whole you know, Batman plans for everything angle. And it's like, yeah, Alfred, we're going to do that plan. And Alfred just like, all right, like, I I guess we can, I guess we can go about doing that. Okay. Master Wayne. (laughs) 
Like, well, I, imagine, like, you, you could just imagine the two of them sitting down, and Bruce is like, yeah, so Alfred, there's going to come a time when something is going to happen where we're going to have to lure everyone to the Batcave. We'll just say it might be vampires. I'm not positive. <laughs> yeah. and, <laughs> like, it might be good some guy was... calling himself Alucard, you know, yeah. and uh, there we go. <laughs> It's a it's a it's a great segment of of the story though because this is this is also when we lose Tanya, um yeah. and and pretty much Batman's support system uh it, from the vampire aspect of fighting uh, Dracula, so uh, even though I mean we met her just at the beginning of this story, um and we haven't known her for a long time it it's still kind of powerful that scene where. Uh, Tanya just burns up in the sunlight, and I think that some of the best vampire stories uh, told are, and I, and I, well, I don't want to say which show I was just thinking about because people might not have watched it, but there's, there's just, there's a lot of emotional scenes in vampire lore of of the of the reluctant vampire or the vampire that that doesn't want to do basically what they need to do to to sustain themselves burning up in the sunlight kind of a, a, a sacrifice and it's pretty powerful here too uh so thoughts guys what did you guys think of of the the, the tanya fading away scene yeah uh, yeah i agree it, it is a trad it, you know she's a tragic figure from the beginning we learned that mm-hmm. you know like you said it it does kind of become tropey with some vampire stuff i mean i i obviously have watched some vampire stuff so like like the the way she fabricated a scientific way to come up with you know um what the heck's the word i'm looking for like fake blood um i'm trying to think of the actual word that i should use other than fake blood but she basically oh, comes like up the, with this, the serum she makes yeah so if she comes up with the serum so she doesn't have to go around killing people to stay a vampire and you know you 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 definitely see that in other you know, context, but it works for the story to give her that sympathetic side to her because she doesn't want to just go out and be the typical vampire that's, that's killing people. You want her to be the hero and you can't have her be the hero if she is doing the same thing that the evil vampires are doing. So, and Bruce actually, or Batman actually has a line to Alfred that says, you know, not all vampires are evil. And they, they kind of hit that home from the beginning. And yeah, when she goes, it it is a tragic point. She's making the sacrifice play and and takes out all the other vampires with that play, and it just comes down to you know Bruce and Dracula, as mm-hmm. it as we kind of assumed it would. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, Ryan? Uh, the the sacrifice of Tanya. What did you think? I think it's earned for sure. Mm-hmm. I think that that tells the strength of the the storytellers. Uh, maybe a little bit more of of Mensch, but he introduces a character that, you know, is, I mean, probably on the call sheet, you know, third or fourth billing. But, like, we kind of, it's a heroic, a good death is its own reward, you know? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and she, like, I don't know, I'm not going to sit there and say, like, I feel it, but it was like, oh, that was a, she was a badass. She was a good character, had Bruce's back saved him basically um licked his neck so i mean who wouldn't right bruce wayne so um 
I don't know if this would have been as tragic had she not licked his neck. If she didn't lick his neck, we're talking a whole other uh, can of worms with Red Rain. So I'm glad <laughs> she did. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was a good, I don't know, that's a good additional character that, I mean, you say Tanya to a lot of people and they'd be like, a lot of Bat fans. I think that's a, that's kind of a deep pull, but it's a good, it's a good pull. She's a good character. So did you see her as a, as, because the way Batman reacts, I mean, did you see her as a, as a love interest? No. I think, yeah, I didn't either. It, like, of course, somewhat um sexualized and by mm-hmm. the cr- creeping into the bedroom but that just feels like a dracula story in and of itself you know there's mm-hmm. definitely that's those kind of tones in a dracula story um but i didn't think that he i mean <laughs> who wouldn't you're like hey there's a woman creeping in my bedroom at night this is weird what's going on <laughs> so that, that's why he tracks her down but like you know when they're together he's not like now let me lick your neck. So it's <laughs> it's almost like a red herring because once he wakes up, the love aspect of it is gone. Once yeah. he meets her, mm. once he meets her elsewhere or elsewhere, you forget about the, that encounter. The gothic being flirting is over. <laughs> <laughs> let's get down to business now. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Dracula and why well, you licked my neck. It's almost it's like there's the 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 sexual love interest kind of thing is is the seductive side of the vamp of the, of the vampire lore, yeah. Um, and and I think his sense of loss there at the end, it's one of those things where you know people people can have such a bond over like a traumatic incident, and you know even though they haven't known each other that long, um, they've been through some pretty traumatic stuff in this story so it's it's a natural uh it's a natural um big weighty loss for batman in in the moment there um but going forward uh so dracula has lost all of his minions in this in this big explosion and the 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 falling apart of of wayne manor um so he it's just it's kind of just one-on-one now so the so the big ending of the book is uh batman and dracula taking each other on head to head and it's 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 kind of the it's kind of the trope of the of the the captured friend or victim because of course dracula captures gordon and he's gordon's the damsel in distress he is the damsel in distress and dracula's holding him kind of at ransom to to get batman into his clutches so the the final big dramatic clash in the book is Batman racing to Dracula to take him on to save Gordon. And I thought the, the kind of aerial battle they had as it, cause Batman's got these huge wings now and bat and Dracula's in this vampiric monstrous form. And then th- this just like midair battle of these two bat creatures. Uh, I thought, I thought it was awesome visually in can, the book. Go ahead. Can I ask you when he's, when he's got Gordon, I, I love this exchange when Gordon's hanging upside down and Dracula just slits his neck, but not deep and says, mm-hmm. I avoided the vein you see and yours will be the slow death of bleeding. Then the darkness forever. And Gordon, no, there's more than darkness at the end. And Dracula, believe your fairy tales if it comforts you, but I've been there. Like, that's a good villain because it's not like oh, yeah. he's not being mm-hmm. over dramatic. He's like, 
yeah, okay, tell yourself that if you want. I've been there. It's not like that. But, like, the end, moving on, it's kind of like, oh, shit. <laughs> no, I don't want to die. Because it's believable, too. Like, if, if yeah. you're about to die and someone that is dead is telling you, yeah, there's nothing after death. It's it's like the worst thing you could possibly tell someone right before they're yeah. about to die is you will be yeah, nothing. nothing it will be dark for eternity. Well, <laughs> Make me well, a vampire attacking, forever. <laughs> it's like attacking someone's beliefs right before they're yeah. about to die yeah. is a very effective form of torture without even being physical. So, yeah, that, I, I thank you for bringing up that up, Ryan. That was. It's very mean. It is very mean. It's not yeah. polite. So, oof. but it's it perfectly tracks for Dracula. Yeah, it does. Uh, so yeah, before I took us back, but I think I agree with you. I think that um, I mean, it you got to go showstopper for the the main event for the big Dukeroo, right? And mm-hmm. I think Jones certainly does. He does more wild things with the cape. So I shouldn't have even said that stupid comment like 15 minutes ago about like oh he keeps the cape in check because i mean look at the end of this book that's not accurate uh but yeah when he's i mean he's got like my gosh just like remove some of the dialogue bubbles but the the two of them fighting in midair like you'd commented before eric like that's that's a screensaver that's like damn that's a halloween image for you that's mm-hmm. cool as hell there's that one panel where batman is is coming down onto Dracula from from above him, and mm-hmm. the cape is like 560 feet long. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. It's when it's it's cold. insane. <laughs> <laughs> when it's cold. When it's cold, yeah. So, uh, it's good stuff. What about you, Joe? The the final battle. What did you think of this whole thing? No, I agree. I and I like that they they give us the inner monologue of what Batman is actually trying to do right before it happens. Because I think if he didn't give that monologue, I probably, I might've been a little lost because it's hard to show this type of action in animation where he's falling onto the the spike. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the Cape stuff in this scene is, is amazing. Like he, I think it's because like we, we talked about earlier, this, if this were a regular Batman issue or a detective issue, it would be a little jarring to see the cape this way, but in this story, being an Elseworld story, being a you know, like this gothic types of, you know, just crazy, you know, it's just there's so much going on that the cape just works because mm-hmm, the yeah. cape is not. We're talking about Batman fighting Dracula here, so the cape is not the weirdest thing we're seeing on page. No, yeah, that's for sure. Um, but as you did mention, yeah, that the the battle ends with Batman impaling Dracula on a stake, but not before Dracula gets his final shot in yes. and uh, sinks his fangs into Batman's neck. Ah, so I remember reading this for the first time when I got there to that part. I was like, oh no. <laughs> this is I think this is what we were kind of dreading, but but knew was coming. Uh, throughout this book so knowing that bam that batman will now proceed on as a vampire at least in this world uh what did you, what did you guys think of that uh joe well clearly batman removed some kevlar from his uh from his cowl to turn his head because he <laughs> you know the, the if he didn't remove that he might have been saved <laughs> it went right through um 
yeah, this goes to the whole vagueness of was he a vampire prior? Now he's definitely one. Um, there's no doubt at this point that he is now going to live on as a vampire. And, mm-hmm. you know, talking before, I have not read the sequels. I, I'm hoping that the sequels really do, uh, you know, do this story justice going forward because it's very intriguing to see how a story would start out with Batman being a vampire. And I'm curious if Dracula makes a return or where they go about with the story, especially with two stories, not just one sequel. But uh, yeah, like you said, it's, you know, seeing, seeing that happen, it's like Batman couldn't just, you know, come out completely victorious. There had to be a little bit of a fallback. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you this, Joe, I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but um, the, the, the sequels go to some dark places. So just uh just that's fine yeah just (laughs) prepare yourself for that uh but uh, ryan your your thoughts on the on batman becoming a vampire here at the end of the book i mean he was pretty much there already uh i thought it was pretty great that mensch took us the the whole nine yards with it Mm -hmm. and really delivered because it ends up and like this book ends and it can stand as its own thing. And we always get so many comparisons of, you know, Batman is kind of like a Dracula and his aesthetics and stuff. And it's kind of cool that like, well, there really is a version where Batman is a vampire. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of like Dracula now, like for real. And I think that part's, that part's pretty cool. And I think it's just, it makes this a, a really fun Elseworld story that, Hey, you do you want to go there? Well then go pick up Red Rain because mm-hmm. they go there. Yeah, exactly. And I mean they they absolutely go there with the end of the book. I mean, it's we get uh, first of all that visceral yell when Alfred finds uh, what you think is is Batman dead on the ground and and Alfred just that visceral no that he yells, which I will say um, just one little tiny knock on on Kelly Jones in this book. Alfred oh, is a dude. very wonky looking character throughout <laughs> this book. Okay, I'll there's, give you that. Yeah, <laughs> there's. I mean, there's some moments. Alfred. Uh, yeah, so there's some moments where he looks great, and there's some moments where he has some like big ballooned out cheeks, and it just looks strange. Yeah. Uh, the, but specifically when he was in the car at first, I didn't realize that was Alfred. Okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, at the, at the very end of the book, after Bruce Wayne has had a funeral and, and the whole thing seems to be at an end, we end with uh, Alfred going down to a crypt where we find a, a fully suited Batman like laying on a, on a tomb. And uh, he gets up and he pretty much confirms to Alfred that he is dead. But Batman will go on forever, and we get that line that you mentioned earlier, uh, Joe. That Van- he says, uh, or his inner monologue says that vampires are real, but not all of them are evil. Which I just I think was because uh, we've we've gotten kind of that that tagline throughout the book. So I thought that was a very fitting way to end the book, seeing this uh, this fanged out Batman just standing there in this creepy pose, but. Confirming to the reader that just because he's a vampire doesn't mean he has to be evil. 
So the conclusion here, guys, I want to get your thoughts. Uh, Ryan, you can go ahead first. The conclusion of the story, what did you think? Uh, it's a great capper because, of course, they lead us to think that Batman is dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's it's a cool, I mean. It was Nolan before Nolan. Exactly. Um, <laughs> the secret's out, Christopher Nolan. You borrowed from Red Rain, too. And I, I love that it does set up. It's cool, too, because like I, like I just said, this can be its own contained story. But when you get to that last page, it is like, oh, he's still alive. And, man, I wonder what I mean, at the time when this came out, could you imagine you were like, I wonder what if they'll come up with something, a sequel and what would they do? And this just leaves it open. For, it it does. It works perfectly both ways of getting you excited mm-hmm. of a possibility of furthering the story or just closing the chapter here and the story goes on in your mind so i i dug it i thought it was really great because it ties up its loose ends too of how can bruce wayne pretend to still be alive if this is the state that he's in all the time now he can't well then we just need to have him be dead and then he's secretly living you know in the catacombs you know so i think it's it's a strong ending i like it yeah i agree what about you joe what did you think of the conclusion no, I, I completely agree. Uh, I'm sorry to bury the lead. I did not realize that that line was at the ending. I just remembered <laughs> hearing the line or reading the line, and I thought it was interesting. I thought it was uh, something worth noting, but then I, I, yeah, I completely buried the lead on that one, so I apologize. But uh, no, I, it was, you know, the the misdirection with us thinking Bruce is dead, especially it being an Elseworlds story. You don't know if they're going to go that way or not. I mean, we, we assume, you know, with everything in context of the book, we assume he was going to become a vampire at the end. And that's obviously what happened. I think it's done really well. And I think it works really well as a one-off story, even if we didn't get the sequels. Um, And yeah, it's, it's, it's really a fun. It was a fun ending, a fun final confrontation. And then seeing, you know, Alfred's reaction to thinking Bruce is dead. And then, you know, with that line of, you know, not all vampires are evil. And Alfred, you know, I'm sure Alfred is not too comforted by that line, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> yeah. it's better than what? It's better than nothing. <laughs> oh, you just Master wait till you read you've the gone sequels, mad. Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, okay. um, uh, yeah, so, so I agree uh, with what both of you guys have said. I, I thought this was a great ending to, to a very, very good spooky book. Um, but I really quickly, is there anything that you guys think that, that we left out that we need to cover um, or, or just little things we might have missed? Yes. Okay. Glad that you asked. Uh, the title, Red Rain. Yes. Yeah, good uh, point. What's your what's your thoughts on that? So uh, there, and we didn't even talk about talk about this going through the story, uh, but there is this continual um, mention of of the rain in Gotham has been turning red, mm-hmm. um, and it's raining constantly through the book, and it's it's depending on what part of the story we're in. Sometimes it's really red, and, and sometimes it's less. But um, they kind of do a little st- a side plot. It's kind of like the mayor thing, where it's almost like a pollution story yeah that's that's how i took it anyway this uh arian or arianne uh, who i think is created for this story mm-hmm. uh, she's not doesn't like doesn't ring a bell 
But she says, the rain is turning redder, isn't it? Chemicals in the air, alchemy by accident. Until soon, they say it'll sting the eyes. And Batman says, but does that make the rain evil? Or no, she says, but does that make the rain evil? And Batman says, the rain has no will, Arian, no consciousness. That's it on the red rain explanation. So it definitely, I know the last I read this, it made me scratch my brain to where I like looked it up and I pulled this up right now. Thank you, Internet. But one of the you know definitions for alchemy, because she says it's uh, alchemy by accident. That's that's explaining the the rain. And one of the definitions is a seemingly magical process of transformation, creation or combination. That mm-hmm. definition is that brings it full circle for Red Rain of uh, though. Yes, literally Gotham is getting Red Rain in the story because you could be you could see it as. Batman, like Batman and Dracula, Red Rain. It's like, well, why is Red Rain even necessary in this title? Batman and Dracula or Batman versus Dracula, you know, that works. But the Red Rain aspect was hard to like tie it in of like, what's the significance of it? It needs to mean more other than it's just there. It's just happening to Gotham. And I think that, you know, is a it's a summary of what's happening with Batman. Like the the alchemy of Batman in a sense of it's a magical transformation. Mm-hmm. Well, it, I, it also oh go ahead there. Oh yeah, no, you go ahead, Joe. I was just gonna say it, it also could be you know an allegory with all the vampires in general, where he's mm-hmm. saying maybe they don't even have consciousness at this point. Maybe they're just they're all going based off instinct and it kind of gives a gray area to whether, you know, you want to paint them as villains or not. And obviously it's, it's easily interpreted as Batman being that way where he had no control over anything and, and he overcomes it, but it's almost, you know, there's, there might be more layers to that than you, you even notice at first, you know, at face value, because it is such, it's just one page that they discuss it. But if it is in the title, you're right, Ryan, to bring it up. It has to have so much more significant than we we probably gave it credit on first reading. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I think um I think it's a parallel between the rain and the vampire as a, as an entity. It's like the point that Batman is trying to make, I think, is that um or that that conversation is trying to make is that the rain is the rain. It can't help what it is. Even, you know, it's not trying to, to be this poison. It just is what it is. And that's a parallel to the vampire. You know, it is what it is and it can't control what it is, you know? So I, yeah, that's, that's a, it's yet another, I think very clever device by mention. And I'm glad you brought it up, Ryan, because we probably would have been very remiss not to mention it. Ryan, you're really good at analyzing comic books. You should really talk about them more. It's, all, you know, it's almost like you should have a podcast. I'm too, I'm too shy, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I don't even like podcasting, so I don't even know why I'm here. But <laughs> you know, there, there's a there's an interesting uh, thing with the titles, though, because uh, Crimson Mist, which is the third in the series, is kind of similar to the Red Rain title. Um, and, but Bloodstorm is the second one. Like, and oh my it gosh, kinda, first it was red rain and now it's a storm. Right. Yeah. So there, there's a, <laughs> there's a precipitation, uh, 
byline. <laughs> Doug mentioned loves trilogy. the weather. He well, loves the weather. <laughs> I'll give him this: Bloodstorm's better than like I don't know, fuchsia condensation or something like that. <laughs> red sprinkles, <laughs> light showers of red. You know. What, but what about you, Joe? Is there anything that we missed that you think we need to bring up? No, I don't think so. I think uh, I think we just about covered everything that I I had remembered or taken from the book. Um, I'm just looking forward to maybe checking out the sequels in the future. Can I take Joe's turn then for part two? You can, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's it's nothing big. I just love it. It's one panel in Potter's Field, or it's like basically a page, like a page and a half in Potter's Field after he he leaves Arian and he goes to the gravesite. That's Potter's mm-hmm. Field, where it's where the city of Gotham provides simple graves for the destitute, the forgotten, and the unknown. I just think that's uh, a cool idea and cool imagery. First of all, the the imagery is great. Batman's almost played in silhouette with uh, the trees and the red sky and the graveyards. But then the whole, you know, the whole fact behind it too is, you know, every every person matters, and this is where a lot of people, victims you know, are ending up in Gotham. It's, it's almost like, it's almost like wasteful in a sense because they're not getting a proper burial, but it's because they can't track down their, you know, who their family, their lineage or anything like that. And so I just think that that little small little part is actually just kind of cool. That's it. That's it. Ryan Lauer getting deep on this episode of the fire. (laughs) All right. Come in close. Okay. We're going to talk a little bit about feelings. (laughs) <laughs> no, that's, I have, that's a good point though it is because okay? getting deep with me <laughs> i'm sorry Joe, go ahead i'll shut up now i'm done no it's a it's a good point because i do remember the potter's field and it, it is significant because like it's gotham we know yeah. how gotham is and obviously the potter's field in gotham would be very <laughs> impactful of everybody i'm sure there's way too many people that are buried there and Batman being Batman, you know, always visiting the graves of his parents or, or just being, you know, just being, you know, he's going to want to always beat himself up for his failures. And what bigger failure than to lose someone that ends up being buried at a potter's field. So it it just it gives again it, it's you're right it, it's an emotional thing just to put in there and it makes sense well and and what a juxtaposition it is that he is kind of lamenting the fact that there's these people in graves with no name yeah and and later there will be a grave with his name but no one in it it's <laughs> Uh, Ryan, you have inspired my thoughtfulness tonight. <laughs> oh, buddy, that's what I do. That's <laughs> what I do. All right, it defines me. <laughs> All right, guys. So let's let's get some uh, closing thoughts on Batman Red Rain. Joe, you can go first. It was a. It's a really fun book to read for Halloween. It it. You know, for someone even like me who's not really into the whole vampire lore or, or, you know, just to be more specific with Dracula, it's still you can read it without knowing much about it. It's still great for Batman. I mean, you know, just, you know, the bat imagery alone 
you know, without the Dracula and vampire stuff is really cool. The art is great with Kelly Jones. You know, we, we, we busted on the Cape stuff a lot, but it fits this story really well. It really does. It's, it's hard. It would be hard to imagine this story with a more traditional artist. I think the, the Mm. style of Kelly Jones just lends perfectly to this book. And yeah, I highly recommend it for, for any type of Halloween reading. I mean, yeah, you could probably read it anytime, but I think it works really well for the spooky season. Agreed. Ryan, what about you? Closing thoughts. I agree with Joe um, on many, many accounts. Uh, I think it's a, I mean, weird to say that it's a fun story, but it's a different story. It's a, an Elseworld story, so it's contained. You don't have to do any homework. You can dive right in and you can stop when this book is over or you can continue on if you want to. And that's really cool about it too. But I think it's great. It has a fun nineties uh, feel, which is a little nostalgic for me with comics, you know, especially Batman comics, uh, that nineties feel and nineties Kelly Jones, which is awesome. And the story itself is really, really cool. So I feel like the animated movie, Batman versus Dracula is a nice gateway into this world. And it's a nice introduction. And then it's like, okay, you want to, you you liked that? Are you ready for the mature version? And mm-hmm. this is the mature version of that. So I like that we have a kiddier and a an adult version of Batman and Dracula coming head to head. And so I just think it's a it's a good story. It's perfect for this time of the year. Uh, and yeah, I'll probably revisit it again again next year. And that's funny. And that's funny that you bring up the Batman versus Dracula, Ryan, because you don't know this yet because of how we're recording this thing. But that is our other Halloween episode. What? So. Oh, my God. <laughs> Look at you throwing teases and didn't even know it. <laughs> Boom. That's what I do. I should be on a podcast. You should be. You should be. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with both of you guys. Um, this story is it's it's a great, great story to read uh, around Halloween. It's become a new tradition for me to read. I, I don't know if I'll get through the entire trilogy, but that's usually what I try to do for Halloween now is is read through the Batman and Dracula trilogy. The The story overall has I think it's become kind of. I don't know if I'd say cult classic because it was really popular when it was released, but it, it's got a lot of. Uh, it's got a lot of popularity even today. Um, so far as um, a few years ago for the 80th anniversary of Batman, they even released a Batman Red Rain Funko Pop. And he's really cool. I have him right here on the desk. I'm looking at him as we've been recording. So, yeah, um, Batman and Dracula. You're Red looking Rain, at him or he's looking at you? It's kind of creepy. Saying. He's staring at me. <laughs> His eyes but, are glowing now. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, I it's I, I agree with Joe. I agree with Ryan. I highly recommend it. Um, even if you've listened to this episode and and you've never read it, I I don't think you've gotten everything that you could possibly get out of this story just listening to us. So I recommend that you that you go out and read it. But anyway, that has been our spooky look at a great Halloween or a great scary tale uh, for Batman in Batman and Dracula Red Rain. But I really want to th- uh, thank my co-host so much for joining me. I've, I've appreciated having you guys on. This was a great conversation. Uh, Joe, thank you for coming on and uh, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. They can find me on Twitter and Instagram as J411 and Facebook as Joe Forno. And thank you for having me on for uh, this really fun Halloween episode. Oh, absolutely. You, you are the, uh, you're in the co-pilot seat. So, uh, Ryan, 
Tell yeah. everybody once once again, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate when when we can get you on. It's it's fun to have you. You bring a lot of insight. Um, so thank you again for coming on and and plug all of your stuff. Plug everything you got going on. Uh, well, thanks for having me on yet again. It's good talking to you and Joe. I've talked to both of you on my podcast, The Batman Book Club, um, covering some good stories there. Uh, you can follow that on Twitter at the Batman BC. You can find the Batman Book Club wherever you get your podcasts: uh, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google, uh, I don't, whatever I'm missing, it's there. Um, we cover a lot of uh, good stories, and by the time this drops, I'm pretty sure if you're really feeling the whole Batman Dracula, Batman Vampire thing, uh, my latest episode drop will be the sequel to the story, Bloodstorm. What? With Justin Kowalski uh, to kind of complete a spooky month um, of uh, Batman stories for all of October. So go there. Uh, if you want to read words and not just hear my words, you can do that at BatmanOnFilm.com where I have a ton of reviews covering mostly comics but also animated movies, uh, Lego sets, uh, also interviews with... The Long Halloween Parts 1 and 2 animated movies. Tim Sheridan, he's an awesome guy. And as well as my uh, my pride... What, wait, what's the term I was going to say? Pride and Joy, there we go, is my one-on-one -on -one interview with Liebermeo himself in person pre-pandemic. Uh, that was... Uh, never thought that that would happen, but I got to do that. Just one-on-one. -on -one. It was awesome. And that's also on Batman Film. So there you go. Uh, thanks for having me on, Eric Carter. Absolutely, man. It was a pleasure. I was going to ask you, because uh, my memory fails me sometimes, um, if you had covered the whole trilogy, but you've just covered the one so far, right? Yeah, and because Spooky Batman Month, this is the second year of doing it, and it's been a rousing success that I can only imagine that Justin Kowalski will cap off the trilogy next year with Crimson Mist. So there we go. Very yeah, so nice. that answers my that answers my uh, conundrum. I guess I will be reading Bloodstorm now because <laughs> I have to I have to follow along. On yeah, that you podcast. have to. I mean, you yeah. have to. Come on. Absolutely, but uh, but the good thing is, I mean, that is a very evergreen podcast. So you whenever bet. you whenever you read it, you can drop in. But absolutely, uh, go check out all the things that Ryan is doing in the Batman world because he's he's awesome and great at it. So it's it's a pleasure. Thank you. It's a pleasure having you on the show. But as for uh, myself, if you'd like to find my personal accounts online, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, that's at MeCarter89, M-E-Carter89. The show, once again, is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TFRBatPod. Uh, if you'd like to reach us by email, that's TFRBatPod at gmail.com. If you take a moment out of your day to leaving a, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, it would really help the show out. It really gives us more exposure and helps us get out there. And also right now, if you listen to the bumper at the beginning of this show, then you will know that that Apple Podcast review will also get you an entry into our TFR holiday giveaway. So stay tuned to find out how you can get involved with that. But uh, we also have a presence on TeePublic. So if you go to TeePublic.com and search TFR BatPod, you can find our original logo there. And it's on all kinds of great merchandise. We absolutely do not ask that you in spend any money for the show. But if you do, that is a great way of support. And we really greatly appreciate it. So until next time, this has been Ryan Lauer and Joe Fornerado and myself, Eric Carter. And uh, we've 
super grateful you've joined us for this spooky episode. So have a happy and safe Halloween. And until next time, keep that bat signal lit and pointed skyward. was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane. The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast, is in no way associated with AT&T, Warner Brothers, or DC Comics. The thoughts and opinions expressed by the participants are solely theirs and do not represent the companies that they work for. Thank you for listening. Happy Halloween! <laughs>